O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, May 19. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine, not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north, even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week, we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today, we continue the Torah portion, Naso, and it means elevate. Number 6, 1-15 to 15. Hashem spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the Israelites, and say to them, If any one, man or woman, explicitly utters a Nazarite's vow to set him apart for Hashem, he shall abstain from wine and any other intoxicant. He shall not drink vinegar of wine or of any other intoxicant, neither shall he drink anything in which grapes have been steeped, nor eat grapes fresh or dried. Throughout his term as a Nazarite, he may not eat anything that is obtained from the grapevine, even seeds or skin. Throughout the term of his vow as a Nazarite, no razor shall touch his head. It shall remain consecrated until the completion of his term as Nazarite of Hashem, the hair of his head being left to grow untrimmed. Throughout the term that he has set apart for Hashem, He shall not go in where there is a dead person. Even if his father or mother or his sister or brother should die, 
he must not defile himself for them, since hair set apart for his God is upon his head. Throughout his term as Nazarite, he is consecrated to Hashem. If a person dies suddenly near him, defiling his consecrated hair, he shall shave his head on the day he becomes clean. He shall shave it on the seventh day. On the eighth day he shall bring two turtle doves or two pigeons to the Kohen at the entrance of the tent of meeting. The Kohen shall offer one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering and make expiation on his behalf for the guilt that he incurred through the corpse. The same day he shall reconsecrate his head and rededicate to Hashem his term as Nazarite, and he shall bring a lamb in its first year as a penalty offering. The previous period shall be void, since his consecrated hair was defiled. This is the ritual for the Nazarite. On the day that his term as Nazarite is completed, he shall be brought to the entrance of the tent of meeting. As his offering to Hashem, he shall present one male lamb in its first year without blemish for a burnt offering, one ewe lamb in its first year without blemish for a sin offering, one ram without blemish for an offering of well-being, a basket of unleavened cakes of choice flour with oil mixed in, an unleavened wafer spread with oil, and the proper meal offerings, and libations. First Samuel twenty four one to twenty five forty four. David went from there and stayed in the wilderness of En Gedi. When Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told that David was in the wilderness of the En Gedi. So Saul took three thousand picked men from all Israel and went in search of David and his men in the direction of the rocks of the wild goats. And he came to the sheepfolds along the way. There was a cave there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the back of the cave. David's men said to him, This is the day of which Hashem said to you, I will deliver your enemy into your hands, and you can do with him as you please. David went stealthily and cut off the corner of Saul's cloak. But afterward David reproached himself for cutting off the corner of Saul's cloak. He said to his men, Hashem forbid that I should do such a thing to my Lord, Hashem's anointed, that I should raise my hand against him, for he is Hashem's anointed. David rebuked his men and did not permit them to attack Saul. Saul left the cave and started on his way. Then David also went out of the cave and called after Saul, My Lord King, Saul looked around, and David bowed low in homage with his face to the ground. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say, David is out to do you harm? You can see for yourself now that Hashem delivered you into my hands in the cave today. And though I was urged to kill you, 
I showed you pity, for I said, I will not raise a hand against my Lord, since he is Hashem's anointed. Please, sir, take a close look at the corner of your cloak in my hand. For when I cut off the corner of your cloak, I did not kill you. You must see plainly that I have done nothing evil or rebellious, and I have never wronged you, yet you are bent on taking my life. May Hashem judge between you and me, and may He take vengeance upon you for me, but my hand will never touch you. As the ancient proverb has has it, wicked deeds come from wicked men. My hand will never touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog? A single flea? May Hashem be arbiter, and may he judge between you and me. May he take note, and uphold my cause, and vindicate me against you. When David finished saying these things to Saul, Saul said, Is that your voice, my son David? And Saul broke down and wept. He said to David, You are right, not I, for you have treated me generously, but I have treated you badly. Yes, you have just revealed how generously you retreated me, for Hashem delivered me into your hands and you did not kill me. If a man meets his enemy, does he let him go his way unharmed? Surely Hashem will reward you generously for what you have done for me this day. I know now that you will become king, and that the kingship over Israel will remain in your hands. So swear to me by Hashem that you will not destroy my descendants, or wipe out my name from my father's house. David swore to Saul. Saul went home, and David and his men went up to the strongholds. David, Samuel died, and all Israel gathered and made lament for him, and they buried him in Ramah, his home. David went down to the wilderness of Paran. There was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel. The man was very wealthy. He owned three thousand sheep and a thousand goats. At the time he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The man's name was Nabal and his wife's name was Abigail. The woman was intelligent and beautiful, but the man, a Calebite, was a hard man and an evildoer. David was in the wilderness when he heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep. David dispatched ten young men, and David instructed the young men, Go up to Carmel, and when you come to Nabal, greet him in my name. Say as follows, To life, greetings to you and to your household and to all that is yours. I hear that you are now doing your shearing. As you know, your shepherds have been with us. We did not harm them, and nothing of theirs was missing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. So receive these young men graciously, for we have come on a festive occasion. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can. David's young men went and delivered this message to Nabal, 
in the name of David. When they stopped speaking, Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Yishai? There are many slaves nowadays who run away from their masters. Should I then take my bread and my water and the meat that I slaughter from my own shears and give them to men who come from I don't know where? Thereupon David's young men retraced their steps, and when they got back they told him all this. And David said to his men, Gird on your swords. Each girded on his sword, and David too girded on his sword. About four hundred men went up after David, while two hundred remained with the baggage. One of Nabal's young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, that David had sent messengers from the wilderness to greet their master, and that he had spurned them. But the men had been very friendly to us. We were not harmed, nor did we miss anything all the time that we went about with them while we were in the open. There was a wall about us both night and by day all the time that we were with them tending the flocks. So consider carefully what you should do, for harm threatens our master and all his household. He is such a nasty fellow that no one can speak to him. Abigail quickly got together two hundred loaves of bread, two jars of wine, five dressed sheep, five seim of parched corn, one hundred cakes of raisin, and two hundred cakes of pressed figs. She loaded them on donkeys, and she told her young men, Go on ahead of me, and I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. She was riding on the donkey and going down a trail on the hill when David and his men appeared, coming down toward her, and she met them. But now David had been saying, If it was all for nothing that I protected that fellow's possessions in the wilderness, and that nothing he owned is missing, he has paid me back evil for good. May Hashem do thus and more to the enemies of David if, by the light of morning, I leave a single male of his. When Abigail saw David, she quickly dismounted from the donkey and threw herself face down before David, bowing to the ground. Prostrate at his feet, she pleaded, Let the blame be mine, my lord, but let your handmaid speak to you. Hear your maid's plead. Please, my lord, pay no attention to that wretched fellow Nabal, for he is just what his name says. His name means boar and he is a boar. Your handmaid did not see the young men whom my Lord sent. I swear, my Lord, as Hashem lives and as you live, Hashem who has kept you from seeking redress by blood with your own hands, let your enemies and all who would harm my Lord fare like Nabal. Here is the present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord. Let it be given to the young men who are the followers of my Lord. Please pardon your maid's boldness, for Hashem will grant my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of Hashem, and no wrong is ever to be found in you. And if anyone sets out to pursue you and seek your life, the life of my Lord will be bound up in the bundle of life in the care of Hashem. 
but he will fling away the lives of your enemies as from the hollow of a sling. And when Hashem has accomplished for my Lord all the good he has promised you and has appointed you ruler of Israel, do not let this be a cause of stumbling and of faltering courage to my Lord, that you have shed blood needlessly, and that my Lord sought redress with his own hands. And when Hashem has prospered my Lord, remember your maid. David said to Abigail, Praised be Hashem, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed be your prudence, and blessed be you yourself for restraining me from seeking redress in blood by my own hands. For as sure as Hashem, the God of Israel, lives, who has kept me from harming you, had you not come quickly to meet me, not a single male of Nabal's line would have been left by daybreak. David then accepted from her what she had brought him, and he said to her, Go up to your home safely. See, I have heeded your plea and respected your wish. When Abigail came home to Nabal, he was having a feast in his house, a feast fit for a king. Nabal was in a merry mood and very drunk, so she did not tell him anything at all until daybreak. The next morning, when Nabal had slept off the wine, His wife told him everything that had happened, and his courage died within him, and he became like a stone. About ten days later, Hashem struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praised be Hashem, who championed my cause against the insults of Nabal, and held back his servant from wrongdoing. Hashem has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. David sent messengers to propose marriage to Abigail, to take her as his wife. When David's servants came to Abigail at Carmel and told her that David had sent them to her to make her his wife, she immediately bowed low with her face to the ground and said, Your handmaid is ready to be your maidservant, to wash the feet of my lord's servants. Then Abigail rose quickly and mounted on a donkey, and with five of her maids in attendance, she followed David's messengers, and she became his wife. Now David had taken Ahinoam of Israel, so both of them became his wives. Saul had given his daughter Michelle, David's wife, to Palti, son of Laish, from Gallo. John 10:22-42 And it was at Jerusalem the feast of the dedication and it was winter and Yeshua walked in the temple in Solomon's porch then came the Jews round about him and said to him how long do you make us to doubt if you be the Christ tell us plainly Yeshua answered them i told you and you believe not the works that i do In my Father's name they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them 
out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Yeshua answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone you not, but for blasphemy, and because that you, being a man, make yourself God. Yeshua answered them, Is it not written in your Torah, I said, You are gods? If he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say you of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, you blasphemed, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. And he went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. And many resorted unto him, and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spoke of this man are true. And many believed on him there. Psalm 116, 1-19 I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell held upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I have spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, All men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly, I am your servant. I am your servant and the son of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his enemies, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord.
Proverbs 15, 20 and 21 A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom, but a man of understanding walks uprightly. I want to speak to you today from 1 Samuel 24 and 25, and then we're going to jump into the New Testament. And in 1 Samuel chapter 24, we have a scene where David and his men are hiding in a cave. And then Saul, who is pursuing David to kill him, comes into that cave to relieve himself. David's men encourage him. Now's your chance. Kill the guy. And David refuses. He snips a corner of Saul's robe but does nothing else. And then after Saul exits the cave, David approaches him and speaks to him from a distance. And in 1 Samuel 24, verse 7, it is written, He said to his men, Hashem forbid that I should do such a thing to my Lord, Hashem's anointed that I should raise my hand against him, for he is Hashem's anointed. Now there's an overarching principle here that David is living by, and the principle is this, that he recognizes that God is the one who appointed and anointed Saul to be king. And even though he's been a wicked king, and even though this king is trying to kill him, he is not going to lift his hand against him. He's going to leave it in God's hands to deal with Saul, and he's not going to take matters into his own hands and deal with Saul. He is trusting the Lord to orchestrate circumstances to deal with the situation. So that's showing tremendous trust. Now, the Israel Bible commentary to that verse that I just read reads as follows. Though David could have legitimately killed King Saul in self-defense, he merely cuts his royal cloak and refrains from harming him physically. However, despite his extreme restraint, after the fact, David greatly regrets his act, feeling that he has shown disrespect to the king of Israel. Despite everything Saul had done to him, David honors King Saul and his position as the anointed king of Israel. This esteem continues until the very end, expressed in the beautiful eulogy he delivers for Saul after his death. The leaders of the nation must be respected by all, as they are chosen by Hashem and charged with the responsibility of leading his people and guiding them in their holy mission. David has the strength and wisdom to understand this, even while being pursued by the king whose throne he would later inherit. Now, David has a conversation with Saul, and in verse 12 and 13, it is written, Please, sir, take a close look at the corner of your cloak in my hand. For when I cut off the corner of your cloak, I did not kill you. You must see plainly that I have done nothing evil or rebellious, and I have never wronged you. Yet you are bent on taking my life. May Hashem judge between you and me. And may he take vengeance upon you for me, but my hand 
will never touch you. So you see, he's overcoming evil with good. He is loving his enemy. He is taking the high road. He is taking the righteous path. Perhaps you can relate to David. Perhaps there is a season in your life, in your past, or perhaps it's happening now, where you have someone pursuing you, someone who's out to get you. Perhaps it's a boss. Perhaps it's an ex-spouse. But there's some kind of a persecution going on. And so we can learn and glean from the life of David how to properly handle the situation. The New Testament says, do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult. That we are to overcome evil with good. Verse 17, when David finished saying these things to Saul, Saul said, is that your voice, my son, David? And Saul broke down and wept. So in that moment, Saul was brought to repentance. He was humbled. Now, was it a permanent repentance that changed his whole behavior and demeanor? No. But in that moment, he was repentant. And he said to David, You are right, not I, for you have treated me generously, but I have treated you badly. So there's a huge contrast between darkness and light. Verse 21, Saul says this, I now know that you will become king and that the kingship over Israel will remain in your hands. So he sees God's blessing and wisdom and anointing upon David through his righteous behavior. Now in the next chapter, chapter 25, we see a wonderful portrait of a woman of God, Abigail. But she's married to a wicked man, Nabal, who is selfish and who is evil. And in this chapter, we see that David and his men have been out in the field and guarding Nabal's men as they are doing the shepherding of the sheep and the shearing of the sheep. And now David puts a request forward and sends a messenger to Nabal and says, hey, we've been out guarding your men and making sure that they were protected. Can you say, uh, share some of your provisions with us? And Nabal has a very selfish, wicked reply. Basically says, no way. I don't know who you are. And gives him a, a wicked reply. He spurns David. So now David is armed up. He told, told everyone to gird up their sword. And he's leading a, an armed party, and they're going to come in, and they're going to kill Nabal and all the men. When Abigail learns what has happened and how badly her husband has treated David, she immediately takes action, and she mounts up on a donkey, and she brings with her 200 loaves of bread, two jars of wine, five dressed sheep, five 
seams of parched corn, a hundred cakes of raisin, and two hundred cakes of pressed figs, and she loads them on the donkeys, and then she rushes out to meet David. So in verse 23, it is written, When Abigail saw David, she quickly dismounted from the donkey and threw herself face down before David, bowing to the ground. Prostrate at his feet, she pleads, Let the blame be upon me, my lord, but let your handmaid speak to you and hear your maid's plea. Please, my lord, pay no attention to that wretched fellow Nabal, for he is just what his name says. His name means boar, and he is a boar. Your handmaid did not see the young men whom my lord sent. And she goes on to say in verse 28, Please pardon your maid's boldness, for Hashem will grant my lord an enduring house, because my lord is fighting the battles of Hashem, and no wrong is ever to be found in you. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Metzudat David explains that the prophetess Abigail is warning David that he should kill only, if necessary, as part of Hashem's wars against enemies, such as the Philistines, but not in order to exact revenge. This is one of the foundations of Jewish military ethics. The people of Israel are required to fight wars, only to defend themselves and to strengthen the promised land. The state of Israel follows this biblical mandate, as can be seen even in the name given to the Israeli army, the Israel Defense Forces, or in Hebrew, Zah Haganah L'Israel. She goes on to say, in verse 30 and 31, And when Hashem has accomplished for my Lord all the good He has promised you, and has appointed you ruler of Israel, do not let this be a cause of stumbling and of faltering courage to my Lord, that you have shed blood needlessly, and that my Lord sought redress with His own hands. And when Hashem has prospered my Lord, remember your maid. Now, David resonates with this because this is a principle he's been operating on concerning Saul. He does not seek redress with his own hands. He will not lift up his hand against Saul. He's going to trust God to deal with Saul, as however God sees fit. And so David understands this principle, and he totally is blessed by Abigail's words. And so He says, thank you. He says, praise be Hashem, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your prudence. Blessed be you yourself for restraining me from seeking redress in blood by my own hands. Now, Abigail goes home. She finds her husband totally drunk and having a big feast. And so she doesn't approach him that night. She's wise. She's very wise. In the morning, she tells him. And then his courage died within him. He became like a stone. And ten days later, God strikes Nabal and he dies. Verse 39. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praised be Hashem, who championed my cause against the insults of Nabal and held back his servant from wrongdoing. Hashem has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. 
David sent messengers to propose marriage to Abigail to take her as his wife. Now there's a lot there I want to unpack. First of all, we see the principle of waiting upon the Lord and then the Lord orchestrates circumstances. So the circumstances being that God caused Nabal's death. David didn't take matters into his own hands. He didn't go in and get blood on his own hands. The Lord took care of it. So, again, it's waiting upon the Lord and allowing God to orchestrate circumstances. Measure for measure, what you sow, you reap. Hashem has brought down Nabal's wrongdoing upon his own head. And then we see a tremendous reward coming to Abigail. David sent messengers to propose marriage to Abigail to take her as his wife. What I love about this story is that it brings tremendous hope and promise. Abigail is in a miserable marriage. She's married to a very wicked man. She's probably suffered a lot in being married to him. And she had to clean up the mess that he made in how he treated David. And yet God sovereignly and supernaturally scoops her out of that situation, and now she gets to be married to King David. So if any of you who are listening happen to be in a bad marriage, and you're suffering in it, and perhaps there's been abuse or violence or emotional abuse, I want you to really take heart and be encouraged by this story of Abigail and Nabal and how God worked circumstances out so that Abigail was released from this terrible marriage and God turned it around and blessed her to give her a very good and a godly man as her husband. That is how he works. That is how he works. The last thing I'd like to share is actually from Psalms 116. Verse 6. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Verse 9 and 10. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. Often the Lord does work very powerfully in our lives when we are brought low, when we are humbled, when our circumstances are in some way crushing us, and when we cry out to Him, then he's there, and he moves. And sometimes we're brought low because we've been walking in rebellion, or we've been just doing our own thing and not paying any attention to the Lord. But when he humbles us and our circumstances bring us low, that's when we cry out to him. And he delivers us. May he deliver you as he delivered Abigail.
Have a blessed day. We'll see you tomorrow. Adonai Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>